let's go to work. As barbers, we cut hair and fade all day. This podcast goes beyond the barber's chair and is about the rest of our story. Positioning ourselves for success, avoiding costly mistakes, and continuing to grow and thrive as barbers for years to come. Join us as we look at the whole world of barbering and go beyond the barber's chair. I stopped believing in coincidences a long time ago. Yet every now and then, something amazing really happens. Um, I knew that I needed to have an episode where we discuss the ins and outs of barbicide. And uh, at the same time, I went to the Las Vegas Barber Expo, which was being emceed by Ivan Zoot. Now, for those of you who don't know who Ivan Zoot is, he's one of barbering's most respected educators. He holds world records in haircutting, has written more than a dozen books, including Be a $100,000 hair cutter and 100 by 100 where he leads us through a process to gain 100 clients in 100 days he is he's brought and developed tools into the barbering industry and i've taken classes with ivan and to this day there are two periods in each service where his voice is in the back of my head reminding me of things ivan and i see each other pretty often and we talk at every single event. Now, if it's a really big event where it's really busy, I might just put my head in there and say, hey, how you doing? You're slammed, make your money, I'll see you later. And, or if it's a smaller event, we may just chat for, for a while about life and soccer and whatever else comes up. Anyway, back to the Las Vegas show. I noticed that Barbicide was on his jacket, I, the, the logo there. Now, I'd seen it there before, but it, it never really clicked and it jumped out at me. And I asked him about his affiliation with Barbicide. And it turns out that he's the guy I need to talk to about making an interview about the episodes for Barbicide. So uh, there you go. And uh, this interview happened. So uh, enjoy. Hey, Ivan, thank you very much for your time. I, I appreciate it. I, I know you're you know, busy doing all kinds of different projects here. So I really appreciate you taking a few minutes of your time here to talk with us here. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's right now we're recording this during, you know, really the meet the heavy part of the fall trade show season. Uh, but I'm happy to carve out a, a spot of time to sit, relax and and chop up uh, a little bit of what's going on in the world and the world of beauty and barbering. I've been to you know a few of your classes. I've seen you at several shows. Uh, it almost seems like you're a staple. If I'm going to a show, Ivan Zoot is there. How long have you been associated with the different shows in the areas? Well, you know, I got 35 years in the business. Uh, I got a cos license first, barber license later, uh, but 35 years in the business and about 33 years, uh, I got in very quickly, started doing trade shows and education in the business. And, and you know, God bless the sponsor folks that, that pick up the airplane tickets, hotel rooms, rental cars, and cheeseburgers that make it possible for me to be uh, in all of these places. I Sometimes it feels like I'm in more than one place at a time, uh, which is not the case. Uh, but I'm definitely uh, there's some standard events. There's some major national events that I don't they don't have these parties without me. I'm honored and privileged to be included on these agendas and considered a part of these programs. I place a high value on on hair shows and everything that happens there, especially from the education standpoint. Uh, and, you know, of course, the, the networking is fantastic. But for me, it's mostly the education because there's things that which I pick up at these shows, which I do not pick up anywhere else not on YouTube, none of these Instagram videos. 
is literally methods and techniques that I pick up at these shows that I don't get anywhere else. So I place a very high volume on them. I'm going to my sixth show here this year, uh, coming up in the New Jersey area here in a couple of weeks. So I wish I had a sponsor to cover my bills. That'd be great. Uh, so, I understand the feeling. <laughs> right? Why? And I, get, I guess it's a different story when it's actually coming out of someone else's pocket, but then you're there actually working the show as opposed to attending there and... Uh, Correct. I am. I am. You know, when we use the word sponsor, what we're talking about is people, brands in our business, some big names. Some, and I'm proud to be associated with some of these folks, all of them, frankly, who are underwriting the cost of my participation in exchange, obviously, for endorsements, for marketing activity, for sales promotion and helping spread the word about them and the good things they do. You know, uh, that's that's kind of the way that partnership works. When I realized that Barbicide is one of your sponsors, uh, that really got my attention because at that time when you and I spoke about it, I was in the process of trying to contact Barbicide and find out who I would need to speak to to have one of their folks come on to the you know, come onto the podcast and talk about the product. And it's like, wait a minute, this is Ivan. Oh, perfect. I, I am I am the guy you need to speak to, and I am the guy that will come on the podcast. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Barbicide is my flagship sponsor. They've been uh, a sponsor of me for quite some time now. Um, I present on their behalf. I share information on uh, proper use of their products, uh, uh, new products, new product introductions when those things are happening, and really just helping people use the product well uh, to protect themselves, their customers, their business, and their reputation so uh they're one that i am particularly proud to, to be associated affiliated with you know and i try to maintain a stable of what we call complementary non-competing sponsors so barbicide obviously in the category of sanitation and infection control um jrl is my uh, hardware sponsor uh specifically clippers and electrical appliances blow dryers uh and such and a few sundry items um john amico professional hair care is my liquid partnership. I've licensed my my name and my Clipper Guy brand to those folks. Uh, so you'll see my name on their bottles and my logo on, on products that they represent me. And I, again, provide the marketing support for them. So, you know, Elite Beauty Society with their liability insurance, again, is another category that I uh, speak on and represent uh, with my sponsorship relationships. I'm making a quick note here. Uh Elite Society, I should probably speak with them in the next couple of months or so because uh, I want to be able to get their their barber centric you know, insurance uh, on here as well. Yeah, so, they have so. a they have a great program for liability insurance for beauty and barber professionals. It's two million dollars coverage for one hundred and fifty nine bucks. That's about three hundred dollars less than it would cost if you bought conventional insurance from an independent agent because they exclusively insure beauty industry professionals um it's a great program it's great insurance and you may pay for it every year your entire career and never need it and the one time you need it you will be very very glad you have it oh absolutely yeah, insurance is one of those things yeah uh you know one, one of the last people you ever want to get stuck in an elevator with is an insurance salesman because they could talk about it for, for an hour or everything but for me the times i've had to use my insurance uh, it's been car related of course <laughs> but uh, I've been really happy I've had it to to try to restore my car to pre-collision uh, state uh, would just been astronomical charges for me to try to deal with. So yeah. very that's happy. Why, you know, that's why insurance was invented to to share those costs and spread it out and lessen the pain for you when you need it.
So I want to I want to go back to the barbers. I was really excited today to hear about that part right there. I think that barberside is uh, or I, not think just from my own experience from seeing people in different shops and different salons. I think barbicide is probably the most misunderstood or misused product on the market. Because well, we, I, we hope it's used and we we know occasionally it's misused, but we're thankful that we're just about everywhere. You know, we, we joke around at barbicide. We say there are no new customers. You know, literally every beauty and barber supply dealer, distributor, supply house, vendor of every type is a Barberside customer. They're buying and offering the product to beauty and barber professionals. We are the number one brand in the world. We are the dominant choice in the industry. There are some other products out there uh, in the category, but you know, in the grand scheme of the math, they're they're not on the they're not on the deck uh, in that regard. And we're 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 proud of that. We're we're grateful for that. You'll see me and hear me speak about Barberside, and the first thing I always say is on behalf of. Uh, the ownership group and everyone who works hard to produce Barbicide every day, the number one thing we have to say is thank you. Thank you for decades, literally 70 plus years of support of a brand that is not only everywhere, but iconic in the industry. There's a there's a Barbicide jar in the Smithsonian Institution and the museum in Washington. Um, it is that understood. And what's amazing is it, it extends just beyond the industry if you ask a non-beauty and barber professional, anybody who's ever had a haircut, which is everybody, you say, hey, what's the blue stuff in the jar on the counter at the barber shop? They know the name of that product. You know, we're talking, we're talking Tide detergent, Coca-Cola and Barbicide, Crest toothpaste and Skippy peanut butter. These are brands that are ubiquitous and beloved icons of, of, of their industries. I would actually take that a step even further because, you know, I would put Barbicide, at, as far as the branding goes, on the level of like Xerox, Jell-O, Band-Aid. So like those Band-Aids are not the adhesive bandages. They're called adhesive bandages, but everybody knows them automatically as Band-Aids. You know, the, that, that's one of those things that when you have a brand like that, uh, sometimes you get a little itchy when someone says, go mix the Barbicide, and they come out with a concentrate bottle of the other guy's stuff uh because quite frankly sometimes that market distinction gets a little fuzzy when you when you literally own the category oh absolutely i can literally have a conversation like you were talking about someone who's not involved with the industry at all i can say barbicide and they pretty much know exactly what i'm talking about yep and if i get that weird look it's the blue stuff oh yeah 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 so yeah congratulations on that so why does it work as well as it does? I mean, it's, it's the industry standard, but why does Barricide itself just work as effective as a disinfectant as it does? Well, the, the, you know, Ben King in a apartment in New York City in his bathtub created the formulations, the original formula for Barbicide, uh, literally was created in a bathtub. He was experimenting with cleaning products, specifically some, some disinfectants that at the time were sort of modern innovations in, in disinfection. And he, not unlike a few other inventors a few generations before, he 
he had a particular penchant for trying to address what he believed were sanitation and infection challenges in our industry. The story is he had an itchy scalp from some contamination that he had come in contact with through visiting a barbershop. And he set out to fix the problem. And, uh, you know, today, Blueco Brands, uh, based up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Blueco, which is Barbicide's parent company, is a subsidiary of a larger company. They picked up the brand that's coming on maybe about 15 years ago, almost, that the brand was sold uh, by the original family to the folks up in Wisconsin. Uh, and they continue that legacy of a category-leading product that, quite frankly, does its job. I imagine you've been to several shops and you've seen a lot of people using it. What, and I, I guess like, let me start from where, where I've come from with with my own experiences from seeing people use it. Uh, and may, maybe you can speak to what you've seen with it. I can walk into any barbershop and probably any salon and I can see jars on the stations being used improperly. And I'll tell you what I mean. It's like you can see different concentrations of the barbicide to the water. You, know, you see the lighter is like really, really dark. Uh, you can see it maybe halfway full and combs and tools just sitting in there halfway in there. Somewhere it's just a little bit at the very bottom. Uh, I've seen pre-mixes, which maybe are, maybe are not. It, it just seems to be a, a very... It seems to be a product that's just not used correctly in a lot of places. Half of me, you know, the the, uh, the judgmental side of me wants to be the one that says, oh, all oh, you guys are being lazy, blah, blah, blah. But there's got to be something else to that. What are your experiences with it not being used properly? I'm not going to I'm not going to go lazy only because uh, out of respect for an industry in which I believe is some of the hardest working people in the world. Fair. Um yeah, I'm probably not lazy. I think a lot of it, you know, I'm going to take credit. I'm going to take blame. I'm going to say it's my fault. I'm going to say it's my fault because as the point person for Barberside with regards to education, I think it is some gaps in education. And I'm working hard and I'll keep working hard to reach. And, you know, I wanted to come talk to you about this. I want to reach as many people as I possibly can and share the gospel of disinfection. And I think, you know, again, it comes back to that lack of, of fully informed individuals. But let's talk about what we see that's not right versus what we see that's right. couple things. Number one, let's talk about the color of barbicide. I wore a blue shirt today because I know we're going to be talking barbicide and I want to be blue. If your barbicide is this color, that's a mistake. This is way too blue. Most of the barbicide that you see on the street in the jars on the counters is over-concentrated, meaning they're wasting it. You've got too much concentrate and not enough water, and it's too dark. Barbicide's natural blue color is actually a fairly light blue, lighter than most people are familiar with. And the reason for this is, and there's good and bad here, and I want to make sure you understand it. The reason is shotgunning. What I mean by that is when they go to mix the barbicide, the ricochet is 32 to 2 or 16 to one if you wanna divide fractions. One part barbicide, 16 parts water for dilution. Now the jar, and Ben King designed this on purpose. The barbicide jar has its origins as a soda straw jar back in the last century. 
with the pull-up lid with the basket in the bottom. It was originally a soda straw jar. And you even see places that use them, barbicide jars, as soda straw jars. We've flipped the other way. But that jar holds 34 ounces of liquid when it is properly filled. Two ounces of barbicide concentrate, 32 ounces of water. Bingo, you got yourself the proper formula. So what I tell people is this, measure two ounces of barbicide, get a little measuring cup, pour out two ounces, put it in the jar. Now, the next thing you do is you take a big fat black magic marker, get a Sharpie and put a line on the jar where the two ounces of concentrate comes to, put that line on the jar right there. It's not gonna wipe off. From now on, you fill it with water. The next time, the next day, because we're gonna get to the second bad habit, when you dump the jar, you fill to the line with concentrate and then fill with water. You don't ever have to measure again. You'll know you've got it right every day after day one. So number one is improper concentration. Now keep in mind, if you are over-concentrating the solution, it's still gonna effectively kill things, but it's very wasteful. You're throwing money down the drain. If you're under-concentrating, not enough concentrate, you may not be effectively killing everything you hope to kill. So there's a very strong argument to just get it right, please. Number two, dumping the jar. The barbicide jar is to be dumped every day, at the end of the day, at the close of the business day, as part of your close out, close down, clean up to go home routine, you dump out the barbicide jar. Barbicide concentrate overnight, some of the water will evaporate, thereby impacting the concentration. Throughout the day, every time you take a comb out of the jar, a little bit of solution goes away with the comb. So the level in the jar is beginning to drop. One of the no-nos we see from time to time is, as the level in the jar drops, and to your point earlier, the combs aren't completely submerged, we will see people topping off the jar, pouring extra water in the jar, to raise the level up, but now you've over diluted. You're no longer properly concentrated and you've compromised the jar's ability to do its job. The other thing you gotta keep in mind is if you're putting dirty combs in barbicide, which you should not be doing, only clean combs, and I'll explain what I mean by clean, go in the barbicide jar. But if you're putting dirty combs right off a client into the barbicide, Number one, it's wrong. And number two, you're contaminating the jar. So let's cover some definitions. We have sanitation and disinfection, sanitizing and disinfecting. Sanitizing is the removal of surface dirt and contamination. Sanitizing is done with soap and water. Disinfection is the elimination of microorganisms. That's done with barbicide solution. So the proper routine is Use a comb, set the comb aside. I worked in a shop most recently, we had sinks at each station. I tossed used dirty combs in the sink. You may use a disposal bin, you may use a transfer bin of some kind in the sink. When you have accumulated a quantity of combs, soap and water to sanitize. Shampoo works fine, it's right at the station. Put a shot of it in the sink, run the warm water, soap them up, rub them all, Get them all covered with soap and water and rinse them off. These combs are now clean. They are sanitized. 
but they're not yet disinfected. Clean, sanitized combs go in the jar, full submersion, full immersion in the jar below the top of the liquid line. Now, if you're doing big batches of combs, eight, 10, 12 combs at a time, it's okay if the level has dropped a bit because by virtue of volume displacement, you drop those combs in, the level's gonna come up and everything's gonna be fully covered. 10 minutes later, they come out. I'm gonna say that again, 10 minutes later, they come out. This is another area where we talk about improper use of the product. Combs don't live in barbicide. Combs don't stay in barbicide. 10 minutes, set a timer. I tell people, use your color timer. 10 minutes, when the timer goes off, combs come out of barbicide, they get rinsed, patted dry with a towel, and put in a closed container, a cabinet, a bin, a box, a drawer, a closed container. Those combs have now been cleaned, sanitized, disinfected, dried off, and stored. That's what we're looking for. That identifies some of the challenges we see, improper mixing, combs in too long, um, topping up the liquid, not dumping it every day. I'll tell you this, one of my big messages from Barbicide, you heard me say already, there aren't a whole lot of new customers. Everybody on the dealer side is buying the product. And there are not a lot of new customers on the user side. Just about every stylist and barber in America buys our stuff, thank you very much. My job, the most important thing I can do as I represent the brand is try to encourage people to dump the product more often. Because we have people that dump it every week. We have people that dump it every month. We see people that never dump it, that when it gets down and gets a little light, they put a shot in, they put more water in and they just keep filling it back up. Not good for your customers, not good for your business, not good for your reputation, and it's not good for barbicide. I need you to dump it. I need you to dump it every day at the end of the day. You have inadvertently or inadvertently just verified something which I do at my station. And people look at, I've seen other barbers look at what I do. It's like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so I keep a box, a, a big old plastic box in my bottom drawer. Things be disinfected. And I've got some 40 freaking combs. And I'll use them. I'll put them right in that box. And at the end of the day, wash them, disinfect, you know, do sanitize, disinfect, and handle that at the end of the day. One time, I'm not going through one jar over and over and over can, again. Yeah, you can batch them like that for sure. And, you know, a couple things here. I sell a lot of combs. People come up to my booth at show, they buy a lot of combs. I buy combs when I was, you know, I buy combs now 432 at a time. When I was cutting hair, I bought combs by the dozen. You don't buy, well, you find a comb you like, you don't buy one. People come up to my booth, they buy one comb. I, and I'm sitting there in my head, I'm going, one comb? What are you doing with one comb? How are you serving a, a clientele and a business with one comb? They, you know, somebody buys a dozen combs, I know they get it. But batching your sanitation. But this is an important element and I encourage you to do this. I use this phrase all the time and I think it's one of the most important things I will say to your listener community tonight and that is this. You want to get caught sanitizing. You want to get caught disinfecting. And what I mean by that is 
behavior related to sanitation and infection control should be done invisible range of customers. They need to see this happening. They need to see you dump the jar. I tell people you should mix your barbicide at your station, not in the back room. You should be doing this. They see it happening. People say they're going to ask you about it. Hey, what is that? Hey, how often do you dump that? Hey, how do you mix that? C clients are going to be curious. Today, in the world in which we live post-pandemic, the average customer of yours believes that they are a not an amateur, but a professional epidemiologist. Now, we know they don't know anything about anything, but they think they do. And it's important that we play to that feeling of concern that they have and that knowledge they think they want to be a part of. Uh, but get caught sanitizing is an important message. This, this is not something we do in the back room. It's not something we do after hours. It's something we do in a very, very visible way. It, it kind of plays into what I do in between clients. Like before I bring a client to my chair, and I've heard you talk about this too. Yeah, every client deserves to go to a clean space. You know, when, when you say one o'clock, they deserve to get it at one o'clock. Uh, and when they are waiting to get into my chair, I'm going to, I have gotten to the habit of telling them, give me a minute here. I'm going to clean up and sanitize real quick and disinfect. And well, actually it's a clean and disinfect are the words I use. Uh, and so I just give them the whole list and they get it. No one at that point is ever upset. No, there is like, oh yeah, yeah, you got it. And yeah. uh, if you're running late on a haircut, I'm upset with you. If you're running a couple seconds behind because you're cleaning, no one's going to argue. Exactly. It, it, it's amazing. I, I used to be worried about being in front of the people waiting in the front. But now I'm like, yeah, put me right there. They're going to know they're going to see me doing these things and they're never going to be mad about it. I, I absolutely love that. So I want to go back to when we were talking about 10 minutes and 10 minutes. That's all. One of the biggest uh, misuses that I see is they'll leave that stuff in there overnight. Uh, I, I've heard people claim, well, it messes up scissors. No, 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 no. The, the being in water all night long is messing up scissors, things like that. Uh, yeah, the bar barbicide concentrate, barbicide solution itself does not, I'm going to say this very loud and clear so everybody understands it. It does not damage metal implements. It does not break down or undermine or degrade combs in any way, shape, or form. The, the, this is not true. This is mythology. Even leaving combs and scissors in overnight, while the moisture may be additional moisture because it is damp, things do not rust in water. Things rust exposed to oxygen, exposed to the air. Yes, there's oxygen in water, but the point being, we don't leave these things in. At the 11th minute, we aren't killing anything else because if we're concentrated properly in 10 minutes, we've killed everything there is to kill. In minute number 11, there's no more killing going on. Comb, you know, that's a red flag right away. If you walk into a barber shop or hair salon and you see all the jars and they all have combs, especially that one station that no one's using today because Susie is off today, but her combs and her scissors are sitting in there. Yeah, that's a no-no. If your combs are in barbicide for more than 10 minutes, is there anything that happens to compromise the combs, you know, the plastics or rubbers? 
No, the only thing I'll say is this. Barbicide solution, not at all under any circumstances. You can leave them in there as long as you want. You're not killing anything anymore and you're not damaging the combs. I will point out there, there is a product called Barbicide Plus. Very few people buy and use it. It is required in a limited number of states. I think maybe two. Um, and it has to do with the tuberculous side that is included in that formula. That Barbicide Plus formulation can through extended exposure beyond, well beyond, we're talking hours, well beyond the 10 minute mark, can in some cases have a uh, contrary impact on plastic, can uh, soften some plastics, can weaken some plastics, can break down some plastics, but you'd have to be in there a real long time. And the sales of that product are, are insignificant relative to regular barbicide concentrate, only because of the limited number of places where that tuberculocidal version is required. You don't see it too often. Uh, it's a slightly different color, but it's out there. Uh, but it's really not part of the overall barbicide conversation. Thank you for clearing that up, because in the Navy, we called it seed lawyers. You know, guys who've been around and know everything and, and guide everybody. I guess we have barber lawyers. You know, that just, oh, yeah, don't do that or do this or don't do that. So thank you for clarifying that. I think there are a phrase that's referred to as institutional knowledge. People that have been around long enough, they know where all the bodies are buried. They know where all the secrets are kept. You know, speaking of bodies being buried, I finally saw uh, Sweeney Todd the other day. Wow. <laughs> I think it's one of the few movies where at the very end, I'm just like, what just happened? There you go. <laughs> so is there anything about Barbicide which uh, – I've not asked about or anything that we should go over that we haven't talked about. Well, the only thing I would throw in there, you know, beyond the regular barbicide conversation is some of the other products that there are out there. You know, you've got the brush product that is used, the ship shape that is used for cleaning and removing hair and dirt and things from brushes. We've got clipper side, the spray disinfectant product for clippers. That is again, another category leader in the industry. You know, that big orange can of clipper side. We just recently introduced uh, in the last year, something called barbicide, year and a half, barbicide RTU. That is barbicide ready to use. Uh, that, let me grab one real quick. Hang on a second. I've got a little mini warehouse here where I have a few of these things, you know, conveniently just hanging around. But clipper side, everybody knows that can. I think, again, marketing, this can's got to be on your station. The label's got to be turned forward towards the customer. That big word there in black clipper side, you don't need a thousand hours of cosmetology or barbering education to know that that says kills stuff. Uh, clients are very aware of what's going on with a product like that. This one, of course, it's blue. It's barbicide blue, a little darker than your concentrate should be. But this is the new RTU, and that stands for, and next time you see me at a show, ask me and I will give you a sample can of this one. This is ready to use, meaning it's not a concentrate. It's not mixed. It's a spray product. And if you shake the can, you'll feel it's what is called bag and valve, meaning inside the metal can is a bladder. And there's a valve at the top that, of course, releases the product. But the nice thing about it is because it's pressurized, it'll spray upside down, it'll spray sideways, and you will always, you're never gonna run out of propellant. You will always get 100% of the contents of the can out of the can, which is good to know. So it's extremely economical to use. It isn't wasteful at all. Kills coronavirus in 30 seconds. It's right up there on the label. Um, this is not an immersion product for combs. And it is not a spray product for cutting tools. This is 
surfaces, anything you touch. This is doorknobs. This is the arms of your chair, the handles on your drawers, your credit card machine, your telephone, your bathroom door handles, your front door handles, your chairs in your waiting room, your countertops, uh, the, the, your chair surfaces. This is a surface disinfectant, uh, germicide, pseudomonocide, fungicide, viricide, you name it. Really good broad spectrum across the board product, the kind of thing you've come to know, love, and expect from the folks at Barbicide. Like I said, I'm going, this weekend is Salt Lake City. And Salt Lake City, I think last year, was the first show where I actually saw a vendor on the floor that had it for sale. So it's been out a little over a year. People are finding it, discovering it now, and they're liking it. They're, they're, they're real happy with it. So that's your two big can products that we hadn't talked about. I see a lot of folks, they got the Clorox wipes, if that, you know. Well, we have we have barbicide wipes. They were, I'm going I'm to grab one. I got them over here. Hang on. These were, these were super scarce and hard to come by during the pandemic, supply chain challenges and whatnot. But barbicide wipes, just like you would saturate it with a barbicide solution in a uh, environmentally friendly, use them, toss them, chuck them. But uh, surfaces, you're wiping down anything you're touching, uh, barbicide wipes are convenient. And again, I can't overstate how important it is for products like this to be seen by customers. It's it's marketing. Uh, we understand marketing. We understand that the sales we're in uh, and, and how we're making them. But um, these labels speak volumes to our customers. If it's hidden, it's not seen. Yeah. not These are not backroom things. And the Barbicide wipes, unlike the concentrate and the spray, these are a two-minute product. Mm -hmm. These are wipe it off two minutes. You know, you make sure the surface is slightly damp. Wipe it off. It's two minutes. Two minutes, and you're good to go. I mean, I got one right here. Got a clipper right here. Obviously, I can't get in between the teeth on this, but the areas that I touch, the back of the blade, that much of it. The places which are going to have the cross contamination most yep. likely, because that's that's where you have the skin on skin. Yep. It's right there. So there's a story which I tell. It comes up a lot. Yeah. Speaking of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Uh, so I'm here in the state of Georgia. We uh, we kept at and got back to business pretty quick uh, compared to some of the other states there. And I remember we did a complete rollout of the uh, of the uh, reopenings. My uh, my first my first day as a professional barber, uh, I had been hired. You'll love this. My first job was at Great Clips. And uh, straight out of barber school, and I went into Great Clips, and uh, they took all my stuff, set up my station, got a call that night, don't come in tonight because the whole country is shutting down, and uh, we'll let you know when we open back up. <laughs> so, and I remember they were doing this roll, this rolling thing, we're going to open these companies here, then we'll open these companies, and we'll open these companies here. During the whole, the whole pandemic, I didn't really throw any stones anybody or anything that's like okay everyone we we don't have an owner's manual on this all right we're doing each person's doing the best they can with what they got i get it but the one thing they did here in the state of georgia which really had me scratching my head is they opened up bowling alleys before barber shops and because of products like my barber side and all the process we had to go through i mean we're one step away from being a medical facility and i'm thinking you can't disinfect a bowling ball I'm like, <laughs> whatever the stuff is they're using on shoes, I want that stuff because evidently my stuff ain't jack. You know, <laughs> uh, I actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, in another lifetime, before I 
was a part of the beauty and barber business uh, over 35 years ago. I worked in uh, sales in institutional food service and restaurant supplies and uh, called on all manner of, of food service establishments. And including, I had amongst my customers, quite a few actually bowling alleys because almost every bowling alley has a bar and a restaurant. Uh, almost every bowling alley has bathroom, you know, they all have bathrooms and things like that. And they were large scale purchasers of, and they're public places with lots of people, uh, lots of sanitation issues. I sold a lot of janitorial products. One of the things we sold to bowling alleys were cans. And I don't remember the name of the product. Now it was a private label product of our company, but it was a spray disinfectant that all of the bowling alleys used to spray the shoes. And I sold, I sold, oh my God, I sold cases. A typical bowling alley, you know, if, a, if cans like this came 12 in a case, you'd go in there and they would order six cases. They would order, you know, 72 cans uh, at a time. Uh, and those were good orders. We made good money on that stuff. And they were serious about using it. They were spraying it all day. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And you, you, I remember you see them, you, they have these shoes sitting on the counter upside down, airing out after they've been sprayed down and everything. It's like, well, can I get that? Those, their shoes right there? No, you got to wait a few minutes on that. Got to wait on those. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Publicly disinfecting. Probably. How about that? Well, yeah, yeah, let, yeah. <laughs> Give that there. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about your previous life there. Yeah, you've, you've invented a few things. I have invented a few things in the beauty and barber industry. I've got uh, I've got some patents from back in the day when I was an employee at a major manufacturer. Um, those were patents that I share with uh, the engineers that were on the team that we designed together. And those patents have been assigned over to those companies so that they can produce using those patents. And then, of course, uh, I've got some things patented on my own since I moved on from, from that portion of my career to to my own things like the good old, it's not old, it's brand new to the industry this year, the one comb. So yeah, I've got uh, I got my hand in some some interesting things along the way. I, I kind of see opportunities and we scratch our head, we come up with something cool. Can you go into a little detail about the one comb? Yeah, uh, one Wait. comb, and this one is on the packaging card. This one is loose, but it is one comb. It is the only comb you need, and it is every comb you need, specifically designed for barbering and uh, men's hair cutting short hair. Uh, four different comb areas zoned for particular performance. If you look closely, you'll notice the teeth are unique and different on each comb area. We've got a clipper comb, we've got a scissor comb, we've got a blending scissor comb, and a lining edging trimming comb. So depending on what you're asking it to do, you've got teeth. As an example, the clipper comb teeth are flat, and smooth with 90 degree corners on the inside edges and a slight taper at the tips to be able to pick up hair well and to be able to slide and smoothly cut. The scissor comb has triple teeth. They're angled in and they're angled up. So they're more, um, I would say they're square bases. So they're not really, they're pyramids if you will, because they angle on all four sides. The blending scissor teeth are flat teeth but they're rounded at the tips because blending scissors are all about feeling and flowing through hair for smoothness. And then when we get down to the nitty gritty, when we get down to the lining and edging comb, these are somewhat similar to the clipper teeth, yet they are angled and pointed because we're really looking to pick up 
very, very small hair with those. Uh, we, we raised the logo for grippiness. We added notches for control. We've got a ruler in centimeters and a ruler in inches. We've got a locating notch to find the apex and the parietal for better sectioning. We've got a mid-tone red color for visibility, and it fits inside the barbicide jar. Go figure. <laughs> 18 unique features are all spelled out on the back of the comb card. And right there, the QR takes you to a playlist on my YouTube channel in which I demonstrate all of the features. You get them online at ivanzoot.com. Most beauty and barber distributors around the country are now stocking it. Um, Amazon's got it. eBay's got it too. Nice. I started seeing one of your other combs uh, at the uh, Atlanta Barber and Beauty Supply down here. So really happy to see, really yeah, happy the to see you going comb, there. The, other, the zoot comb is down there. We've got that one out there. Um, that's another patent, uh, that I hold that one is shared with, uh, the manufacturer Denman, which is a company based in Northern Ireland over in the United Kingdom. Uh, and then of course I've got some clipper related patents from my days with a, uh, clipper manufacturer. You've also got some books out there, which you put out. Got some books out there. Uh, yeah. And you know, and, and, and I wasn't intending on making this the Ivan Zoot show with all the stuff here, but you've got such great stuff. I want, I want you to talk about those books a little bit real quick. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, 14th book came out this year. I'm working on 15, but uh, the books are all related to helping people build and grow their business in the beauty and barber business. $100,000 haircutter, obviously one of my flagship titles. Big Busy Barbershop, Bigger Busy Barbershop are my marketing books. We've got 100 by 100. 100 new haircut customers in 100 days is my customer acquisition book. And then of course, soon to be my number one most popular book. And the only reason it's not number one is it's book number 13. So it's got a lot of catching up to do from some earlier titles, but the Professional Haircutters Pricing Playbook. Now, that one is a workbook format. You're going to plug in the numbers of your business, and we're going to work you through formulas and calculations because money decisions are not made with your gut, your heart, or your head. Money decisions are made with a pencil and a calculator. Money decisions are made with confidence, and confidence comes from knowing and understanding the data. So that's a really, really super important book, probably I might say if, you know, it's like if you have children, it's like picking a favorite and that's not always easy to do, but that pricing playbook just might be one of my favorite children. Can you go into more detail about that? Is let me, it, let is me it grab good? one for you. Hang on. Okay. Let me grab one. So my, my studio where we create the podcast, where we create the YouTube videos uh, is right here adjacent to my little warehouse area in my home. So we can pick up, I mentioned $100,000 hair cutter, that's your daily devotion. One entry a day, every single day, 365 days. I did the illustrations myself. You know, let's use as an example today. What's the date today? October 12th, right? October 12th, it is. October 12th, that's day 285 of the year with 80 days remaining in the year. So we've got an entry. It's not a big, long paragraph. It's a McNugget of information. But I'll give you an example. Today is upgrade your tools. From time to time, it is time to toss tools for newer and better technology. Everything changes. Trade shows and trade magazines promote the latest and best technologies for making our work easier, better, and faster. And there's more there, but I'm not going to read it all. I always say old tools, donate them to rookies, to up-and-coming stylists, and to students. Treat yourself. 
your tools take good care of you and your customers. You don't need to overbuy and overspend, but time to time, it's time to upgrade. I was talking just the other day about when I broke the Guinness World Records for haircutting and about how the tools that I used at the time when I broke the world records were unquestionably state-of-the-art and the finest tools available in the world in professional haircutting. Today, those exact same tools are outdated and they're not on a par with the best of what we have available today. So things change, time marches on in that regard. So that was an example of one of the tips in that book. I mentioned 100 by 100, 100 new haircut customers in 100 days. Any day can be day one. If today was day one, I believe day 100 is gonna be approximately January, maybe 18th, 19th, something like that. Whatever day you start building business, I guarantee money back. If it doesn't work, I'll give you your money back, but I'm not gonna give you any money because I know it works. 100 new haircut customers in 100 days. I mentioned big and bigger. That's these guys right here. Big busy barbershop, bigger busy barbershop. Year one, year two, 52 weeks, 52 more. One idea a week, every week for two years to market and grow a professional haircutting business. And you asked about this guy, the professional haircutters pricing playbook. How much to charge? How do you set your initial price? When to go up? How much to go up? How to go up? How to talk about a price increase with your team members? How to talk about a price increase with your customers? It's all in the book. Don't leave these things to chance. It's it's almost like your books take people through as well, not almost, they're taking them through a daily or weekly or monthly strategy of actually building their business. Whether they are a solo barber with a set of shears and hey, let's go to work, up to having a, a thriving barbershop or barbershops business. You know, what the common, I think you're finding the common theme here is touch points. Education has to be ongoing and continuous. This book is a daily book. This book, again, a daily reference. You you need that ongoing, constant motivation. You mentioned you're going to six hair shows this year. That's every other month. You're getting another shot of that motivation, inspiration, education, stimulation that's going to help keep you performing at the highest levels in your business. These books are weekly. Uh, they're more business management books, weekly check-in like that. I tell people this book, use a pencil. When you open this book up, you're going to see empty spaces just like that. You're going to put in your numbers. Real data comes from your booking app, comes from your accounting software, comes from your business. Real data. You're going to plug in the numbers and you're going to work the formulas. But I tell people, use a pencil because on the end of the pencil, you got an eraser because next week, next month or next year, you're going to come back to the book. You're going to erase the old numbers. You're going to put in the new numbers. You're going to rework the formulas. This book is 25 bucks. This book's going to last 25 years because it's going to become a living, breathing, growing coaching tool. And I can say 25 years because the information in this book is what we call evergreen. This is not about talking about what is the hot men's haircut for fall 2023. This is about talking about long-term and it's going to be relevant 
for your whole career? It could be from Barbara starting at day one or Barbara been after five years and hey, we're going to start this process right here day one and take a whole new approach. I, that's something which I well, appreciate. I was, you know, you say day one, I was lucky. I got out of cosmetology school. I was working as a shampoo girl in a large, expensive day spa salon in the Chicago suburbs. I was sweeping floors and folding towels and rinsing hair color. And the boss of that shop, day one, put me on a program that was a book and a workbook and classes to support. And none of it, none of it had anything to do with cutting hair. It was all about the business part of the business. I think that's probably what got me started. I'll give Bob, uh, his name was Bob Eisenberg. I'll give him a huge shout out of credit uh, for really getting me started, getting me off on the right foot in terms of understanding the business of the business. It's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, the more the more I'm cutting, the more customers I'm seeing and the more people who I'm speaking with who've been in the industry for a while, like they've been in at least a good three or four years, the more and more people who I speak with who are in the industry, the more and more, the more I'm seeing it's less about the cut itself and more about everything else that has to do with business. Starting with, it's one o'clock, let's get you in the chair. You know, you know what? Let's make sure I, I, I say this all the time. I say, if you got into this business because you thought this business was the business of cutting hair, you're in the wrong business. This business is the business of building and maintaining relationships with humans. And at the end of the day, the two things, and th these, these things get people upset. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of tick off some of your listeners here when I say this, but honestly, folks, haircuts don't matter. The haircut is secondary to who we are and what we do. By the way, along the way, yes, I'm going to make your hair shorter, but it isn't what this is really about. And I think when you understand that, I tell people all the time, on a scale of one to 10, imagine that 10 is some form of perfection. 10 is you are the living, breathing, walking, talking reincarnation of Mr. Vidal Sassoon himself. You're a 10. And at the other end of the spectrum, a number one is, I wouldn't be comfortable having you as my landscaper. Don't touch my grass. Okay, we got one to 10 on opposite ends of this. I am proud to tell you, 35 years in the business, owned a shop. We did 350 haircuts a day in my shop. I have three Guinness World Records for haircutting. And I've made more than six figures many, many years over and over behind the chair. On a scale of one to 10 as a haircutter, I am proud to tell you, I consider myself a rock solid five. I'm in the bottom half on the low end of the middle as a hair cutter. And I have experienced unquestionably some of the highest levels of success in our industry, including standing on stages all over the world, helping people to become better hair cutters. Because for a long time, before I started talking about business, the primary focus of much of my education was involved in putting hair on the floor. 
I don't do as much of that anymore. I still do some, but I believe that my message to the industry, my value to the industry is greater in other conversations than haircutting. Because you know what? I'm going to be the MC this weekend at the Salt Lake City Barber and Beauty Expo. I'm going to be in charge of managing the stage, introducing the haircutters, and I am going to introduce up on stage some people with incredible levels of technical talent, far beyond what I could hope to achieve in the time that I will be cutting hair. And not because I don't have it in me, not because I don't even want it, but just because I'm probably not prepared to devote the kind of energy to the mastery of the craft at that level that many of these people have done. They've, they've, they've made this such a fundamental part of who they are and what they do. And I, I recognize them, I see them and I applaud them for that. But I've got a very different conversation to have with the folks. I remember uh, when you were emceeing the one, well, the one in uh, Vegas recently, uh, you know, the things you were talking about, it wasn't technique. You were talking about the business practices the customer, the customer, the day-to-day actions. Yeah. And I see it happen all the time. I I see people and there's a there's a lady out here in Atlanta named Wendy Kenny, who is a fantastic business coach. And one of the things I hear her say over and over and over again is that success in business is a lot less dependent on technical skill as it is in like promotion building relationships and doing all the business the day-to-day things and we could prove it we all know people who make a lot of make a lot of money in industries whatever the industry is but you look at how they do their work or how they do the business and they have no business being a barber whatsoever we know them and we also know people who can just cut amazing works of art but just can't afford to pay the bills I say, I say this all the time. Most of us have worked with someone, someone who was an extraordinary technical hair cutter who had at least one more part-time job because they couldn't make enough money cutting hair. And many of us have also worked with someone who, for lack of a better way to put it, they were a half-assed hair cutter, but they were crazy busy. Mm-hmm. And it bothers people, you know, it bothers some folks to go, wait a minute, I am a better hair cutter than her. Why is she busier than me? And they don't understand. They scratch their head. They don't get it. And then they want to know, she's an incredible hair cutter. Why is she leaving early to go to her job as a bartender? Why does she need a job as a bartender? Well, the answer is because people don't come back. She can't retain customers because they're only willing to suffer for those amazing haircuts a couple of times before they take their head down the road because they can't tolerate it anymore. They can't take the abuse or they can't take the running late or they can't take the uh, somebody who sits behind the chair and all they talk about is themselves and their wedding and their vacation and, 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 and what they want. You know, come on. What are we really here for? We could do a whole other freaking set of episodes just on that by itself we could we we should we we, you know what we i'm gonna take that we're gonna do this we're we're totally gonna do that uh we we may have to find some time we're both we're both the same town at the same time and just you know grab some pizza grab a couple mics and do this it'll be fun uh you know what if if you want to come to chicago 
I will find a pizza place with a room in the back. They will be able to give us pizza and let us have at it. Oh, man. Don't threaten me with a good time, Ivan. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, we, you know, we've been sitting here talking for about, about an hour. It's amazing what happens when, when barbers and just guys in our industry just start talking. You know, we can just go forever. I want to take a quick moment just to kind of acknowledge a couple of things here. I've been to some of your classes. I've seen the way you work with people. Uh, and you know, you're one of the people who, when you talk, you can tell there's an actual passion and fire behind it. And th those things right there, it's sort of thing you don't see in a whole lot of people. But, but when you do, it's like a really refreshing breath of fresh air. So I, I want to make sure I acknowledge that. And I appreciate just that. Say that. If people want to get in get in contact with you, what's what's the best way for them to reach you? Oh yeah, um, Ivanzoot.com is the website. Uh, every page on the website has a button that says talk to Ivan. If you tap that button and you put in your name, your email and your question, it goes straight to me. I don't have people. You're, you're working directly with me. Uh, obviously, Instagram, it's Ivan Zoot. YouTube, Ivan Zoot. The podcast, Ivan Zoot. I'm not on Twitter anymore. We kind of went away when Twitter went, went downhill. I bailed on that one. But uh, I should be easy to find. If you Google me, boom, there I am. Yeah, you're going to pop up. There's no question about that. And uh, what do you got coming up? Anything that I can do? You know what? We're, we're wrapping up the show season. I've got, uh, what do I got? I got Salt Lake City. I got Palm Springs, California. I've got Philadelphia, Pennsylvania yet this year. I've got a new book coming out next year. Getting ready to go to the editors with that. And then got to have a cover designed. I got a, an exciting, fun little book that's going to be coming out that's going to be it's going to be little, physically little. It's going to be inexpensive and indispensable for success in our industry. I'm looking forward to, to putting out a new book next year. I've got a comb project I'm working on with an outside partner, something new and innovative in the comb conversation. And I'm going to take off from the second week of November until the second week of January. You know, I do a lot of fishing during the warmer months. I'm going to get out of town. I'm going to get to someplace warm. And I'm coming your way. I'm excited. I can announce this publicly now. Coming back to Atlanta, overdue to be back in Atlanta in February 24, 25, 26. I will be at the Bronner Brothers show. Right on. Number, yeah. It's been a number of years since I've been in Atlanta for Bronner Brothers. They got bounced out of Atlanta for the Super Bowl a few years back. Then we had a pandemic. Then they went down to New Orleans. They're calling this the homecoming show. We're coming back to Georgia. We're coming back to Atlanta. We're coming back to the World Congress Center for three days in February, and I will be a part of it. I've got classes and a booth on the floor. It's going to be great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I'm so stoked to hear that. Welcome back. You know what? When I heard they were coming back to as Atlanta. As soon as I know more about the schedule, you and I will figure out when, which night we're having dinner, and where we're going. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll figure that out. Sounds great. Well, Ivan, thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to seeing you again real soon. And uh, I'll let you know as soon as all these guys get posted here for us. Yeah, when you uh, when you uh, cut and paste this together and make a program out of it, uh, you'll share it with the world, you'll share it with me, and I will uh, disseminate it out to the world as well so everybody can get a a few minutes to sit in with us and, and listen to what we had going on. That's it for today's episode of Beyond the Barber's Chair. I put links for my guests and for anything we discussed in the description. I hope you got something great and that it helps you as a barber and in life. If you like the podcast, I hope that you will tell a friend about it and subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming shows. I'll see you next time as we go beyond the barber's chair.